All right, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue on in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to listen to last week's sermon by, by Dan because I guess there were some uh, technical issues or something. You were being too crazy moving around, and uh, the Pentecostal came out, and you know, which is fine, whatever. But there, I guess there were some, some issues with that. I haven't got to listen to it. But I know what you preached about because we talked about it. Um, and, and I know that he, he talked about relationship and relationship with the, our Father, with, with God as our Father, and not only our relationship with, with our Father, but our relationship with others and how important that is in, um, in prayer. And what I want to do is I want to build on that today. And I want to say this statement, and, and before you do pick up snowballs to throw at me, let this sink in just a little bit. Because to get your attention, I, I, I want to I state this, that too many Christians think as long as they pray that God will be pleased with them and will answer their prayers. Too many Christians, I, I can't talk, I'm not going to talk about unbelievers, I, I, we're, 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 we've come together for a reason. I want to talk to you, brother and sister, but too many times what happens is that the Christians, they think as long as they pray that God's going to be pleased with them, and, that as if God, and then God is obligated to, to answer those prayers. Well, I, I don't believe that, that that is a, I think it's a true statement, but I don't think that that, that, um, that is a right statement. As far as um, if you just think, well, I'm a Christian, I pray, God's going to hear me. And that's all, the, the, he, he's obligated to, to answer my prayers. Things don't work that way. Uh, the, the, the need in which we have is if we don't have a proper mindset for prayer, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you're taking notes, it's developing a prayerful mindset. That's the, the title. Um, but if we don't have a proper mindset for prayer, then our prayers are nothing more than ramblings of words. And the fact of the matter is they probably don't get past the ceiling. If we don't have a proper mindset for prayer, then our prayers are going to fall short. Now, when I say that, I don't want you to, to you know, get in this defensive mode saying, well, then why should I even pray? Well, here's the deal. Uh, James says eloquently um, that you, you have not because you ask not, but when you do ask, you ask wrongly. And, and you ask for your own selfish desires. He says lusts, or some translations say passions of your flesh. So, so what I want us to, to understand is sometimes when we pray, and to be honest with you, a lot of times when we pray, they're very self-centered prayers. They're, they're, they're very uh, um, um, me-centric prayers. Now, again, when I, when I say this, this doesn't mean, well, crap, then I'm not supposed to pray for myself. Not, not, not saying that at all. What, what, what I am going to, to say is what we have to do is we have to develop a prayerful mindset. The Bible talks about us having a sound mind and being self-control, and it talks about our, 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 our minds being renewed and transformed. So along those lines, we have to understand that that's, that's what a mindset truly is. Elsewhere in the Bible, Paul talks about these, these strongholds. Like We don't wrestle against uh, principalities and powers, but we, we wrestle against uh, these strongholds in our lives, which, which are not necessarily physical things, but they are real things in our lives. And, and that um, understanding of stronghold, that same word can be used as, uh, uh, or used for mindsets. So what I want us to do is we have, I want us to develop a mindset that we, because I, I believe everybody here, that, that when you pray, you want your prayers to be answered, right? 
You want God to, to hear your prayers. You want um, something to come out of, of them. That's, that's why you pray, because prayer is, a, is, a, 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 is the primary act of dependency upon God. So what we have to do is we need to understand that there's a, a prayerful mindset in which needs to be developed. So uh, the whole idea here is developing that prayerful mindset, and it's important for effective, an effective uh, prayer life. As you're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And we're using this, and we're going to use uh, verses 9 and 10 here to, to, to point out uh, three concepts in which we have to, to, to wrap our heads around and we have to be thinking about and that are going to mold our mindset for, uh, um, for prayer. And, and what we need to understand is that when Jesus gives us this, uh, uh, this model for prayer, and that's what it is, it's a model. We pray this every Sunday, the, the, the Lord's Prayer. This is not like there's special words we have to say. But we pray this because the Lord has given it to us as a model to prepare us for that in which is to come. What we're going to look at today is this model is about structure and it's about guiding our thoughts here. So as you're looking at this, three things, three important concepts. And you all understand when I, when I, what I mean by a concept. I'm not, I'm not trying to um, give you anything uh, or trying to give you... Um, an ideology or, or, or something, an idea, but what, what, what a concept is, is something that's not, it's not something you can physically touch, but it is very real, and concepts control the way in which we interact, and, and the way in which we learn, and the way in which we uh, um, relate to one another, and relate to things. So the three concepts that we're going to uh, talk about today, I'll give them real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll unpack them, is... God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Those are the three things. So I'm, I'm not making anything up on my own. I'm looking at what it says here in verse 9 and 10 of Matthew chapter 6, where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So your name, who's the your in, 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 this, in this context? God, all right? So it, it, God the Father here. So so hallowed be your name, God's name. It says your kingdom come. So God's kingdom come. Your will be done. God's will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. So when we look at this, we have to look at this first one, your name. What's, what's so important about your name? What's so important about God's name? Well, I, I like what, what Psalm uh, 8 says. Uh, it'll come up on the screen, but Psalm 8, verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. So what we have to understand is God's nature and his attributes. So, so, so think about it. When, when we're talking about a name, I'm not just saying a name as in like, I, I'll say Michaela. If I say Michaela, you know that I'm talking about, well, you probably wouldn't because I'd say Moose. Then you would know that, you, that I'm talking about my daughter. So if I would say, Moose, it's not just her name that, which she is identified by, but when I say that name, what comes to mind is uh, all the things that make up who Moose is. Same with, with, with my wife or, or, or anybody. You, you think about when, it, when a name is given, uh, I could give, um, and if, you, if I were to tell or say a name of somebody in your life, as soon as I, I, I said your name or that name, 
So when I say a name, there's a lot that comes up to it. It comes to mind, right? So understanding that God's name, and it's important because it encompasses his nature, his attributes, the totality of his being, especially his glory that are reflected in his name. This is why one of the commandments says not to take the Lord's name in vain. Because there's so much, there's importance in the name of God. Uh, Psalm 1, or I'm sorry, Psalm 111, 9 says, He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. So, so think about this. The name of the Lord, it, it, it's not just um, something that, that, that we should um, take seriously. The, the Bible is clear that says that His name is holy and it's awesome. The name of the Lord, uh, it, it's a representation of His glory. All right? So, so am, am I driving this home enough? I, I, I hope so. Because when it says, hallowed be your name, that, that word for, that, that is used for hallowed, that means to make holy. Now, that does not mean as if God is waiting in heaven and saying, okay, they got to make me holy, they got to make me holy. No, to make holy, hallowed be your name, is identifying who God is because of what his name communicates to us. His his attributes, his his character, his being. So, uh, if we're going to esteem, and I don't know if that's a word, we don't really use that a lot, do we? But if we were to esteem um, God's name, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're revering Him. And the Bible says that the fear of God, or the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of all wisdom. Um, different kind of fear than my fear of snakes, right? The fear of the Lord is a reverence and awe, an awesomeness of His name. So when he's talking here, and when Jesus is giving this, um, th- this clear direction of, okay, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, this model in which he's giving us is, okay, you have to, we have to, we, because his disciples were, were asking how to pray, we have to wrap our mind around what is in his name. What does that mean? What does God's name mean? The concept of the importance of God's name. When the Lord's Prayer begins with addressing it, hallowed be your name, it's an indication of the reverence. We talked about that, the, uh, the, 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 the fear. But it should be foremost in our prayers. It should be right, it should be right at the beginning because too often what happens is we, we have the break glass and pray moments, right? Everything's, the, 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 your life is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh crap, I need to pray. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying if we're making his name holy, we are setting his name, we're setting him above everything else that's going on in our lives. Too often, and I, and I love this statement, too often we barge into God's presence with presumptuous to-do lists for him without being mindful of his holiness, his awesomeness, in the vast chasm that separates our nature from his. Now, now, when I say that, when I, when I put this down, it's, okay, we, too often we do barge into His presence. Should we come into His presence? Absolutely. Hebrews 4.16 says we're supposed to come in with confidence. 
But we don't just burst open the door. Yeah, right here. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. We are to with confidence come before the throne, but the reason that we are coming with confidence before the throne is because we're recognizing His holiness. We're recognizing that we are taking our needs, our wants, our desires, what, 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 what we have a, a lack of, we're bringing to Him. Why? Because only He can fulfill that. That's where the confidence comes from. And what we do is too often we, we just bust in and say, all right, God, here's what's going on. I've got, you need to do this. And you need to take care of this. And you need to take care of this. And I, hey, I really need this to happen. And, and we just give him this list as if he's a genie in a bottle. And if we say the right words and poof, we get what we want. No, that's not taking God's name and not understanding the holiness of who he is. A few months ago now, we, we had that, that series about reclaiming the majesty of God. And we have to understand that, yes, you know, we, we, we get to come together as a body, and we get to worship uh, corporately um, the, 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 this um, ultimate being, the one who, who, who is above all, the creator of, of the universe. And, and we, we get to do that, but it's only because um, he allows that to happen to begin with. And too often what we do, and we're going to see here in a few minutes with some of these other concepts, is that we think that it's our agenda. It's like, my will be done, my kingdom come, and it's just, we get things all jacked up. So I guess this is a balance in which we have to help, we have to be able to develop is with confidence we need to come before the throne, but we're coming before the throne, not chest bowed out just coming to god you got to do this no we're coming before the throne because father only you can do this different kind of mindset different kind of, of, of understanding I, I say this as well that god answers prayers so that his name might be glorified which means okay which means that that his reputation looks good in a world that pays little attention to him God will answer prayers so His name can be glorified. Now, that's, you are not dependent, or, or I should, you cannot manipulate God to answer prayers and say, well, God, you know, if you would really answer this prayer, God, you, you would really be glorified. He gets to choose when and how and how best He can be glorified. What we are to do is just to get, continue give Him and, and come into His presence and, and say, Father, this is what's going on. You, you, you look at my situation and, and you, as, as only you can, you, you glorify your name in this mess in which I've created. No one in here would say that, right? No one in here has a mess. I do. I, I, and that doesn't mean we go make a mess so that God's name can be glorified. But what we have to do is God can take a mess and his name can be glorified uh, through that. The next thing, your kingdom. <clears throat> your kingdom come. Now, when we talk about your kingdom, God's kingdom come, remember this is another concept. We're not only, when, when we enter into prayer, not only should we, we be thinking about uh, the, 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 the reverence and the holiness and, and the, the glory and the majesty of who God is in His name, what we need to be about is about His kingdom coming. So, so when, I, when I was writing this, it was like, okay, God is the one who is on the throne. That's what it means by His kingdom come, your kingdom come. God, you are on the throne. 
not me. Too often that's what we end up doing, right? We have the tendency of like, I know what's best for me. I know this and I know that. God, get, get in line with my kingdom. I got this little kingdom built over here. Won't you jump on board? That's not what Jesus is telling us. In this structure, in this model for prayer, he's saying, no, 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 no. God's kingdom. Now, what is God's kingdom? I, 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 I think that that's an important uh, understanding because too often people, they say, well, you know, God's kingdom is just, well, that's just the believers and, you know, that's where, you know, it's just kind of the church. And well, Here's a definition, a, a working definition of God's kingdom that I think helps us. The kingdom of God is where the Father's rule is exercised through the Son by the power of the Spirit. So, so see, the kingdom of God is where the Father's rule, so you see this Trinitarian approach here, where the Father's rule is exercised through the Son by the power of the Spirit. All three are, 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 uh, are present in um, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the kingdom here. So that, so think about this, God, the, the Father's rule, Exercise through the Son, by the power of the Spirit, so that it is willingly obeyed. What is it that the Father's rule, the Father's law, the Father's, what He says, His statutes, so that it is willingly obeyed, gloriously displayed, and joyfully experienced among His people in the world. So I, I think that there's an understanding here that um, we have to, to, to look at this, that the kingdom of God is something that is very real. And when, when, uh, we, when we hear Jesus say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we think about this and we say, well, your kingdom, we have a tendency to kind of dismiss like God's kingdom being something that's not going to happen until after Jesus comes back. We can't have that mindset. Will it be consummated? Will it be brought to physical fruition on the return of Christ? Absolutely. But what was Jesus' first sermon that he ever preached? I mean, and I love this. In the book of Mark, when Jesus comes on scene, he says, repent. Why? For the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, wait a second. If the kingdom isn't here, I mean, and I thought the kingdom was going to come when Jesus comes back. Um, what does every kingdom need? A king. Jesus is saying when he came on scene, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. The king is here. I, I, don't, don't get the picture of, of the Burger King king, right? <laughs> Dropping his marbles on the. Have you ever seen, you seen that? No, no, no. The king is here. The king of the universe. The king of kings. The lord of lords. The king is here. So when, when it talks about the, um, your kingdom come, we have to understand that this is a, a, a reality that we have to participate in. And when I say we, this is, this is where the church, the, the body of believers, is really, really lacking. And I'm not, not focusing, I'm not just pointing fingers at, at, at just us. I'm saying uh, uh, the church universal. is. I, I don't think that we, we realize the magnitude, and I don't think that, that we're, we're, we're grasping the importance of God's kingdom is real on earth right now. Because we live as if the king is dead. 
We live and we go about our lives as if, yeah, one day the king's going to be here. I can live however I want to now, but when the, when the king comes, I'll, I'll straighten my act up. That's, that's not what the king says. The king says, if you love me, you'll what? You'll obey my commandments. The king says, if you love me, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Now, that's not because he, he, he wants to control our lives and wants us to be miserable. No, he wants us to live a life that is full. We, he, wants, uh, uh, he wants to see, uh, and, and this is what he says, your kingdom come. So the way in which God rules in heaven is, is what, what, what uh, Jesus is talking about here and what we're to pray. The way in which uh, God rules in heaven is the way in which he needs to rule on earth. We know what, what, what happens when uh, angels rebel against God. The Bible says they got cast out, right? So the, the, there is a, a ruling that, that is taking place in heaven that now is perfect and is pure. And Jesus says, your kingdom come. So wait a second. When, I, when I'm looking at this, I'm like, I look at the world around me and it's a jacked up place. How in the world can God's kingdom be here? Well, if I have that mindset, it won't be. For some crazy reason, which only God knows why he, he, He's done this, He has chosen you and I to be ambassadors of the kingdom. And if the ambassadors of the kingdom are like, eh, the kingdom sucks, you know, it, it, how's the kingdom going to be promoted, right? Think about this. If a U.S. ambassador to a foreign country were to go to a foreign country, uh, and in that foreign country they were to just talk negative about the country, about the U.S. How would that country form their, their, their opinion about the U.S.? It probably wouldn't be a good one because they're like, well, the guy that's supposed to be representing them is, doesn't even like the U.S. and th thinks it's all corrupt and that Trump's wall is going to be a good thing, but no one wants to get behind him or whatever. Come on, everybody knows about the wall, right? <laughs> if, if you don't know about the wall, come with me to my grandfather's house. That's all he talks about. Um, <laughs> So, and all I have to say is walls work. I was over in Israel, and they have walls everywhere, and they work. But anywho, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a political man. Not a political man. But what we have to understand, I got off track here. Uh, what we have to understand is we, as ambassadors of the king, we need to do a better job of promoting the kingdom of God. And I think that this is the primary way in which we do this is in our prayers. We have to be, we have to be thinking about the concept of your kingdom come. How am I praying to see God's kingdom come here on earth? Am I just doing damage control for my life or, my, or those around me? Or am I actually praying as, if, as Jesus says to pray, God, your kingdom come. Now, come. Come here in this crazy ice cube of an area of Ohio. Your kingdom come. Are we praying prayers like that? Or are we not even thinking about that? And as we're developing this prayerful mindset, we need, to be, we need to be thinking about His name, what His name means, and how important it is, and how uh, uh, when we get our head wrapped around uh, the, the, that, the concept of His name, it's going to change the way, in one, one, in which we address Him, but it's also going to change the way in which we approach Him and the way in which we, we look to Him for our dependency. But then when we say, okay, we're thinking about his kingdom coming. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way in which we, we pray our prayers because that's going to help us, and, and I'll, I'll explain this a little bit more in the next one, but that's going to help us put our focus more on what he wants to do versus what I want. 
which goes into the third one. We'll, we'll go into this third one. And the, the, the third concept is um, God's will or your will. So your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, this is one that, that a lot of people kind of they stumble over a lot. I want to obey God's will, but I don't know what God's will is. Now, there, there, there's, if you go and jump off of the, the theological diving board into the sea of theology, uh, which is a fun place to swim, but sometimes there's sharks, and you have to be careful. But when you jump off that dive board, there'll be, there, there's a lot of different, well, his permissive will and his uh, um, will that, that, that uh, um, oppressive, or whatever. They give all of these ifs and ofs and ations and all these crazy things of different kinds of wills of God. And we're like, well, I'm all confused. I don't really know what the will of God is. I will argue tooth and nail. This is a hill in which I will stand on and I will die on that you can know. We do know what the will of God is because we have 66 books that talk about one central will of God. And that one central will of God that I see throughout is that God's will is ultimately to restore us, His creation, to the garden. Now, now, what do I mean? That we're all going to be farmers? No, no, no. Just think about this. When God created the world, He created this special place that He put mankind, He put His, His pinnacle of creation inside of the Garden of Eden. Right? And in the Garden of Eden, it says that, that there was commune with God, that God walked with man. His dwelling place was with man. They, they were, they were uh, like I'm talking to you, they, they would have this, 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 this commune together. Well, what happened? Sin. Man jacked it all up. Well, actually, woman jacked it all up. But uh, no, just, just play. Adam was right there beside her. <laughs> Jake's like, I'm out. Um, right? <laughs> but it's funny though I mean come on now I, I, if you haven't read the Bible and laughed you never read the Bible if you read through uh, Genesis 3 when, when uh, the, the whole fall happens and God comes and says hey where are you at and they're hiding well, how can you hide from God who created everything sees all and knows all um, but God kind of he, he, he humored them and said okay where are you at come out, come out wherever you are and they pop out from behind a tree right um, but, and, and, and God says to Adam, he addresses Adam, okay, well, well, who told you that you were naked? What happened? Did you eat from the tree that, that, that I told you not to? What was Adam's response? The woman, I love this, the woman, and he doesn't just blame it on the woman, he blames it on God too. The woman that you gave me, right? How, I mean, how, how, funny, how funny is that? Like, no one ever in here blames God for anything, right? We're all holy enough to like, we don't do that. No, that, that's, but that's, that, that is like when something goes crappy in our life, we're blaming God. Well, we're blaming our spouse, then we're blaming God. God, if you would just fix her, my life would be better. I, I've never prayed that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> thought that thought, but never prayed that prayer. No, but, if, but we have that tendency that, that like, God, if, if, if you would just not mess up all the time, God, everything would be great. No, what we're trying to do is we're trying to line God up with our will instead of us lining up with, with His will. And when Jesus says, your will be done, what we have to understand is God's will is to restore all things, not just humanity, it says all of creation. 
is going to be restored. It's going to be restored back to the garden. So what, what does that, that, that mean? If you look and you read throughout Scripture, it's a, it, it is a, a story of redemption. We talk about the gospel being the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. And that good news is, is there because the bad news happened. And what we see is through the story, in the Old Testament, we see through the story of Israel, the, the, the chosen people of God. And in the New Testament, we see through the church. But what we see is God's plan of redemption taking place throughout. So if somebody says, well, I don't really know what God's will is. God's will is to restore all things to the state in which they were in where he can commune forever with them. How does he do this? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 1. I know it's cold outside, but it's warm in here. Whew. Love it. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verses 7. I'm going to read 7 through 10. In him, I love that, in him we have redemption through his blood. So it kind of gives us an idea of who we're talking about. Jesus, Jesus there it is. Well, but Mark, the only reason you know that is because you were there. Um, <laughs> yes, he was. He, he was there. He was holding a light for, for, for Paul when he was writing this. So, <laughs> In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. As we're, as we're looking at that, we can totally see that it, this is all focused on Jesus. This is not focused on us, but we're kind of like a, a recipient of his awesomeness. Which he lavished upon us. That's another word we don't use. Lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Wait, 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 wait. Making known to us? You mean we can know this? Absolutely. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, and here it is, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. What, what do you mean, to unite all things in Him? What we have to understand is the gospel, it's the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity, but it's the gospel that unites. Uh, the, the gospel can, yes, it, 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 it reverses the, the, the effects of the fall, but not only with us and God. It not, only, it, it not only covers this chasm, this great span between us and God, but it helps, and, and it, it is, and hear, hear me on this, it is possible, and it is able to, that's probably a better word, it's effective so that it can um, uh, span the chasm that's between me and my wife, me and my kids, me, me and you, you and each other. That's the power of the gospel. So when you hear me ramble on about crazy things like if you're having trouble at school or if you're having trouble at home or your marriage or whatever it is, your basketball team, whatever, whatever it may be, the power of the gospel is applicable there as well. Why? Because it can reconcile two sinful beings back to one another. It's not because there's anything good in any one of them, but it's because of what He has done. And He is, is, is redeeming and restoring, making new creation. So when we, when we think about what is God's will, 
we have to understand that it's ultimately to restore all things. And we, and we uh, see that, it's, that his uh, um, plan A, because there's, God has no plan B, his plan A was Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, his shedding of blood. It is his, uh, what, what he purposed to take sinful humanity, which cannot save ourselves, that's what world religions teach us is like, well, if you just do this and you just think this and if you just act this way and you do this, this so, so, so many good things here that you can get to God. The, 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 the distance between us and Him is so great that the only one who can span that gap is God. And I love that. It says, but God, but God, He, he loved us. And He shows His love for us in this way that while we were yet sinners... While we were so far distant from God, Christ died for us. And the reason Christ died for us was so that His plan could go on. It was part of this redemptive plan all the way from the beginning. Some will go, this, go a little bit little further and ask, well, what's, you know, I get that, but what's God's will for my life? We're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. I, I want to do God's will, but I, I, I don't know what He wants me to do specifically. First uh, Thessalonians 4.3 talks about how God's revealed will for us is our sanctification. For this is the will of God. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know if you need this verse interpreted, but for this is the will of God, your sanctification. The will of God is for you to be sanctified. Why? It's part of the ultimate restoration process. God cannot be in the presence of sin. He wants to commune even now with us. Maybe we're not in the garden yet, but we can remember we're in the kingdom. And the king wants to be with his people. But the king isn't going to dwell with his people and his people are just being stupid in sin. That's why sanctification is so very important. It's a process of becoming more and more holy. It's becoming more and more like Christ. So what is God's will for your life? Before you think about, well, does God want me to have this job, or does He want me to go to this school, or does He want me to do uh, yoga? No. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm in rebellion of yoga pants. Um, but anyhow, I, what'd you say, amen? Okay. That's one thing that never lies. Uh, but anywho, I'm sorry, baby, just popped in. I had to come out. I'm, I don't want to get all constipated and like whatever. Uh, but um, before any of that, before before you ask any of that, like what is God? God's first, the, the first thing that God wants you to do, His will for your life is your sanctification. You're growing in relationship with Him. You uh, understanding that that your knowledge not only it's, this isn't only head. This is heart. But, but your growing in godliness is not only good for this life, but it is for, good for the life to come. You hear me talk about the sanctification suitcase all the time. It's important. <clears throat> when we ask for His will to be done, when we ask, not if we do, but when we ask, and I, I think that we need to get to that, when we ask for His will to be done, we become servants ready to do His will, not masters telling the Lord what to do. And that, that's, that's hard because we want to be in control of our lives. 
so, 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 uh, so many times where we think that we know what's best. Now, that doesn't mean that we check out and we, 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 we don't think about um, the, 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 the decisions that we make. No, 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 no. God gave you a brain. He actually says uh, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He wants us to think. But what we have to understand is that, believe it or not, you make dumb decisions. God doesn't make dumb decisions. <laughs> Sometimes you think He does, but He doesn't. And what we have to understand is I, we, we've got to get in line with His will. We've got to get in line with what He wants done. This whole uh, plan of redemption, we need to be on board with this. Because when we try to say, hey God, jump on board, it doesn't work. Jesus, uh, He Himself models this in Matthew 26, 39, where He's talking about uh, um, not as I will. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, not as I will, but as you will. He's praying that God, He's saying, Father, if there's any way else other than the cross that I can accomplish Your plan, that's what I, I want to do. But it's not my will, it's Your will. What we have to understand is, is sometimes the, the, the sacrifice in which we need, that we have to um, um, uh, endure for God's will to be done is something that, that, that is, it's a sacrifice for a reason. It means we have to give up something. Sometimes it's someone. Sometimes it's your, a hobby. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes, it, I, I don't know, it, it, a lot of times it's just a, a, a bad habit. Or, well, I've always done it this way. Maybe it's a tradition. I, I don't know. But there are things that have to be given up because you cannot, listen, God will not share the throne with you. you and I'm going to say this in, in a very religious, holy kind of way. God's butt's too big for you to sit on the throne too. Right? What we try to do is we try to nudge him off. We try to do the booty bump trying to get him off the throne. What we have to understand is God can fill out that throne. God is very capable of filling those shoes, right? Quit trying to get on the throne. Trust Him. I know that's a hard thing. Well, trust hard to come by. Yeah, I get it. You're talking to someone who it's very, very, very hard to gain my trust. And I work at this a lot. But it's very easy to lose trust. What we have to do is, there's one we can trust. He will never let us down. Now, it, things might not go our way, but just because things don't go our way doesn't mean that God's letting you down. Think about the story of Joseph. When Joseph was, was, was sold off into slavery, and, and he was uh, given to, uh, in, in, uh, put in prison while he was in slavery, and all these things, going, these things are going crazy. It never says that, that Joseph ever sinned like he was being punished. It actually says that, that later on in his life, it says that, that um, you, the things you intended for evil, God used for good. Sometimes the darkest things in the, the, the valleys in which we go uh, through in our life is because there is a mountaintop that's waiting for us on the other side. Now, it says, even though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Now, if we fight and, and I think about this. I think about walking in the dark with, 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 with Gabe. He's not in here, so I can pick on him. I do it every week anyways. So I, I think about walking in the dark with Gabe. Can't see anything. If 
he holds on to my hand, I got a pretty good idea of where I'm going. But if he lets go of my hand, he's going to be running around scared. Ah, where you at? Where you at? I want my daddy. Right? But that's what we end up doing sometimes when we're like, I want to do my will. We let go of God's hand and we're in the dark place. If we're in a dark place and we let go of God's hand, no wonder you are just consumed by fear. Fear is not of the Lord. Fear is of the devil. And we have to understand it, that God gave us uh, the, the spirit of power, love, and self-control. Not, not the spirit of fear. What we have to understand is that's coming in line with, 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 with God's will in our, in our lives. In closing, acknowledging um, and practicing the importance of these three concepts, I, I believe, and, and I, I know you can call me a liar or whatever you want, but I believe this will dramatically increase your effectiveness. Your, it'll dra- dramatically increase your effectiveness in prayer because when, how could it not? When you're, when, when you're focusing on God's name and you're focusing on God's kingdom and you're focusing on God's will, Jesus says back in, in uh, what is it, John 14, he says, uh, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's not just ending a prayer within Jesus' name. Let's understand that, that, that your focus in your life and everything that, that, that you're looking towards is, is reflective, okay, this is what God would want. When, when your will is lining up with His will and you're praying these prayers, of course you're going to get what, what, you're, what you want because you're praying what God wants. And I, I love that this, this, I love this, this, this thought that God uses prayer as a means to show his glory but if we're just praying selfish prayers why would god answer selfish prayers and again remember i'm not saying we shouldn't pray for ourselves and we shouldn't pray for others but what we need to do is okay if god grants me this prayer that i'm asking for myself it does how is it is it going um to glorify his name how is it going to promote uh, his kingdom how is this going to obey his will or is it just like this is what i want i'm a selfish little kid no one in here is like that i know i'm i'm just speaking about myself sometimes i pray some selfish little kid prayers i just want it this way god if you just do it this way everything would be good but what if i focus on his name his kingdom his glory and then just trusted him for the result before we uh we bring our requests to the Father. Do this. Examine them in the light of what we just talked about, this concept. Examine, ask, ask Him that. If God granted me these requests, and next week that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the requests in which we make to God. Because we should make requests to God. So I hope you didn't hear that today, that like we shouldn't make requests to God, because we should. But if God granted me these requests... Would, these answer, would the answers glorify His name, extend His kingdom, and accomplish His will on earth? Or am I just asking selfishly? With that, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we do thank You for, for this day in which You've given us. And God, I, I, am, I don't think I've been as happy this year, which I know this not real long into the year, but a long time just to, just to be in your house. And I know, 
I know that every single person in here could have easily stayed home instead of braving the, the, the weather, but, but God, you, you have each one of us here for a reason. That's not saying that our brothers and sisters that couldn't make it, they, they don't have purpose. I, I, I believe, though, that, that you have us here in this room because you wanted us to hear this message because you're doing something great inside of us. God, I know that we're dealing with, 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 with crappy things in our lives sometimes. God, that, that we think that we are in control um, and we're trying to just hold all of the, all of the, 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 the pieces together. But God, it's not until we, we relinquish control and we say, not my will, but your will be done, that you, you're going to step in and, and, and do amazing things. God, I'm not praying for for us to, to, to go off crazy off the crazy end here and just give up everything and walk around blindly. My prayer is that, that, that we will uh, just press in harder and, and, and be more focused on who you really truly are. And it, it's just not that we don't just come together uh, because this is what we do on Sunday. No, but we come together because we want to hear from you. And you speak to us in a different way in this corporate gathering, God. And, and as, we, as we come together and as we pray, um, Lord, uh, that, that our, our, our understanding will, will, will um, not just stay in this room, but it will overflow into our, our everyday lives. And when we pray, we'll, we'll keep your name your, your resound, your, your, your majesty in mind. So we pray prayers that, that, that are, are, are in line with promoting your kingdom. And, and, and for us to be ambassadors of that, ambassadors of that now, and to see your will be done. Understanding that we have, as crazy as it sounds, but is understanding that we have a, a, a role in your plan of redemption to see creation redeemed. Lord, let us be faithful to that. God, as we, as we have heard a lot, my, my, my prayer is that, that we can just take this and, and just use this as um, um, the, the, the tools, the, these concepts for developing a prayerful mindset. Will this happen overnight? No. This is a lot. God, I, I know there's a reason why you've been beating me up all week long about this because this is, this is tough, but it's so worth it. It's so worth being able to, to, to uh, just see who you are and, and, and bask in your glory, knowing that, that, that you have greater things ahead. So God, as we have people that, that are, as, as some of us, we're, we're just uh, holding some, some burdens and, and we're dealing with stuff in our lives, and we, or we know someone that is. God, let us be the church, the, the true body, and where brothers and sisters can, can, can lean on one another. We can focus on what it is that you want, and we can see your will done. So God, we give you all the honor, we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, and we thank you for using us. And we look forward to the day that, 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 you, that, that you decide to turn on the, the, the faucet and the floodgates open, and we just see blessings rain down because of obedience. But God, we know that you're not going to bless disobedience, so let us be obedient to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.